welcome in everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Dynasty Underground. I am your host, Derek Walmack, and you can follow me on Twitter at Dino Underground. That's at D-Y-N-O Underground. And we have officially wrapped up week four. Week four is in the books. We had some exciting things happen. We had Justin Fields get his first win. We had Zach Wilson get his first win. We had Trey Lance make an appearance. We had Mac Jones. Um, I mean, really give the Patriots a chance to beat Tom Brady. Um, that I don't know. That was simultaneously not a fun game to watch and a fun game to watch at the same time. I don't know how that works. But I stand by my opinion. I don't have a whole lot of interlude to get to today. So why don't, you know, I mean, I've got a ton of notes here. It seems like way more notes than usual for some reason. And so why don't we just go ahead and jump into it with what stood out in week four. And as you all know, with Powerline comes what stood out in week four. Let's go ahead and start out as we always do. I guess I don't have to do it this way, but, you know, I always start out with a Thursday night game. Nobody told me I had to, but that's just, you know, the first game I take notes on. Um, Nothing much here, really. I mean, Joe Mixon just looked kind of meh, saves the day with a touchdown. Um, Marvin Jones was quiet, but still going to be a super usable wide receiver going forward, especially with DJ Chart potentially being out for the season with a fractured ankle. And that really opens up some opportunity for LaVisca Chenault, who did have his obligatory one carry. And he ended up with seven targets, six catches for 99 yards. This could be an interesting situation. You know, a lot of us, myself included, really liked LaVisca Chenault as a rookie. You know, this is the kind of player that I like, a dynamic player. You know, he's, you know, he gets carries. You know, he's a, he's a fun player to watch. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited for this opportunity for Chenault, for this target, you know, this passing game to be consolidated down to, really, Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault. Hopefully, I mean, Robinson's going to catch some passes. Um, something that did stand out to me, you know, obviously CJ Uzoma had the big game with the two touchdowns, but this dude's shown flashes before, you know, he's, he's shown flashes enough, in my opinion, that warrants, you know, I threw him in a bunch of captain showdown lineups just because he was a good value and someone had to catch the ball there for Cincinnati without T Higgins there. You know, if, if a player, maybe outside of Jamar Chase, because I mean honestly, Jamar Chase seems like they're you know they're using him as the downfield. You know, I don't know if field stretcher is the right word, but just a a downfield threat, a big play guy. But if Tyler Boyd misses any time, if T Higgins is going to miss time, I mean, if if there's a good matchup. I think CJ Uzoma could be plenty usable, especially with bye weeks coming up. I mean, we can't be surprised if he 
goes out and puts up a dud. This is the tight end position after all. I mean, it's like a shot in the dark, but this is potentially another guy that we could throw in the mix. I mean, it's very specific circumstances. Like, you know, it's got to be one of these guys missing. Probably has to be, a you know, a decent matchup. But it is something, you know, maybe we keep an eye on in DFS. You know, maybe it's not a, a bi-week filler. Maybe it's not a season-long thing. Maybe it's a guy we can use in DFS. Moving on now to the Philadelphia-Kansas City game. Dude, what is going on with Miles Sanders? I'll tell you right now, I, I did a, a startup this year, and I drafted Miles Sanders, and I'm completely over it. I'm going to talk about this guy in a minute, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm you know maybe this is the wrong decision. I don't know, but I'm sick of watching this guy get more work and score touchdowns on my bench. I'm starting Zach Moss over Miles Sanders next week in a league that I mean I really care about. I really want to do well in this league. This is an analyst league, and I mean I'm. I got lucky, you know, I'm, I'm two and two in this league. Neither one of those wins is thanks to Miles Sanders. And I'm, I'm just sick of, you know, I don't love Zach Moss. I've never loved Zach Moss, but, you know, I thought he was, I've, I've always thought he was okay. I've always thought, you know, he was a decent value. You know, he's a big guy in a good offense with some pass catching ability. I'm, I'm just, I'm sick of watching him score points on my bench. I'm going to throw him in there. I don't care, you know. Even if he gives me a zero, Miles Sanders isn't doing much better. He gets seven carries here, three catches. Kenneth Gainwell only gets three carries, but he gets six catches. Kenneth Gainwell gets one more opportunity than Miles Sanders does in this game. Sanders gets 10 total. Gainwell gets 11 total. Gainwell gets the short touchdown. At this point, I'm just I'm completely at a loss with Miles Sanders. This I don't know. I mean... We probably can't bench him. You know, I, like I said, I probably shouldn't bench him for Zach Moss, but I'm going to. But I mean, most people probably don't have a third option at running back. I mean, you might, you could have a Chase Edmonds, you could have a James Conner. I mean, something's got to give. We can't keep, we know Miles Sanders is a talented player, but we cannot keep suffering through this. This is absolutely outrageous. Um, I want to touch on Devontae Smith in this game. 11 targets. Catches seven of them. Um, He's got six or more targets in every single game so far. And the reason I want to touch on this is because I know I had, you know, my skepticisms on Devontae Smith before the season. You know, I ranked him as my wide receiver. I don't have my rankings in front of me, but I think my wide receiver four behind Chase, Bateman, and Waddle. Um, and yeah, we'll see with Bateman, but I mean, as of right now, I, I stand by those rankings, but you know, yes, I was skeptical of Devonte Smith's size mostly. I mean, just look at the dude. I mean, how many guys, how many fantasy producers out there off the top of you, off the top of your head, can you think of that look like that? Um, zero, <laughs> maybe only Devonte Smith if he becomes you know, a reliable guy, but this, you know, this is, I wanted to touch on this because, you know, it's a manner of, it's a matter of process, right? You know, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I was 
you know, I was very skeptical of Devontae Smith from the jump. Yeah, I said it on this podcast. I didn't know, you know, I wanted to like him. I said it a bunch of times. I want to like this dude, but we've just never seen anything like it. And I'm not going to be the guy chasing outliers. But I've also ran through the numbers of first round wide receivers and how successful they've been in the last 20 years. Half of all first round wide receivers have gone on to record at least one 1,000 yard season. Devontae Smith is obviously a talented dude. He show, I mean, he was a mega producer at Alabama for multiple seasons. So there's a lot of talent to be there. That's why I'm not going to get into this weird, you know, I could have been the guy that found something not to like about Devontae Smith and championed against him. And if he struggled, I could have taken victory laps. No, this is a process thing. Just because I was skeptical doesn't mean I'm going to ignore all of the green flags. You know, we talk about red flags all the time with players. I'm not going to ignore all the green flags with players either. So I still had him as a first round rookie. I still had him as, you know, a, a top four wide receiver, rookie wide receiver, I think. And I mean, right now that seems fair. You know, Jamar Chase is having a pretty good season. Jalen Waddle has a bunch of catches on the year, you know, a bunch of targets. So, I mean, to me, it seems like I was fair. I mean, so far, we're four games into these guys' career, right? I mean, we've got 10 more seasons to go. So, you know, it's just, I just wanted to bring it up because this is a manner of process, right? I said it was something I would be paying attention to, and I want Devontae Smith to be good. I want to, next year, if we get a wide receiver prospect that's, 175 pounds, I don't want to care about it. I want to see Devontae Smith break this barrier, much like we've seen some of these smaller quarterbacks do in recent history. Um, I want to switch over now real quick to Dallas because I want to talk about one Mr. Dalton Schultz. He gets six catches in this game on eight targets. We can live with those numbers, absolutely. But the number that I'm most excited about with Dalton Schultz, this dude's only got one game so far this season with under six receptions. Not six targets, with under six receptions, Dalton Schultz. I don't know if this is a byproduct of Michael Gallup being gone. I mean, Schultz had that same number in week one when Gallup was on the field. I know he got hurt mid-game, whatever. I mean, this could be... This could be an every week, you know, a guy that maybe we were thinking about streaming in season-long league, stashing in Dynasty. I mean, he could be an every week starter. I mean, as of right now, unless you have Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, Gronk. Well, I mean, Gronk's hurt. That's There's your replacement right there. Gronk, Dalton Schultz. Um, I mean, he's he's killing it this year. He's a tight end three. He is absolutely killing it. Um, other side of that game... Chuba Hubbard, you know, I just wanted to bring up real quick. He, I mean, he looked about what I think we all thought he would be. He gets 15 total opportunities in this one, was a complete non-factor on third downs, and honestly, that makes sense. You know, and I think Chuba Hubbard got a little bit of a of a misnomer around him as a pass-catching running back. But, I mean, 
this dude in college, you know, this, he's, he's a rookie. This dude in college had eight catches last year. I mean, only, only played seven games, but, I mean, eight catches in seven games the year before. Um, 23 catches in 13 games. The year before that, 22 catches in 13 games. So he's average, I mean, he's averaged less than two catches per game his entire college football career. This was never a strong suit of his. You know, I've I made the comparison. I've heard a lot of other people make the comparison that he is Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman is a perennial. Yes, he's got some explosiveness, he's got some speed. He's going to get what's blocked. Chuba Hubbard is going to get what's blocked. <clears throat> Nothing more. Moving on now real quick. You know, I have to talk about the Cleveland running backs here. <laughs> um, Nick Chubb gets 21 carries here, one catch on one reception. Cream Hunt gets 14 carries, two catches on four receptions. He should have had a touchdown, a receiving touchdown. He had a rushing touchdown. He should have had a receiving touchdown as well. Um, I th- believe the first drive of the game. They're down near the goal line. Baker Mayfield's rolling out to his right, sees Kareem Hunt towards the middle of the field to his left, throws across his body, should have made the completion, just do it too high. You know, I I don't know I don't know what what to make of this situation. You're playing both of these guys. We're playing both of these guys. We're playing Nick Chubb because he's getting so much work and he's so talented. We're playing Nick Chuck or we're playing Kareem Hunt. I mean, he's getting plenty of work. You know, he gets 18 opportunities in this game. And the dude won't quit scoring touchdowns. You know, I just I'm ready. I'm just I'm throwing my hands up in the air on this one. I'm I'm done saying if Kareem Hunt doesn't score a touchdown, you're likely not, you know, a lot of times you're not happy that you started him. I don't care at this point. I mean, the dude's probably just going to score a touchdown. <laughs> like, I mean, he's getting goal. He's his touchdown was a goal line carry. That should have been a Nick Chubb carry. No, that's like that's Nick Chubb's wheelhouse. They gave it to Cream Hunt. It's I don't know. I'm I'm done. I'm done with it. I mean, I'm going to keep reporting on these guys, but at this point, yeah, we're starting both of them, and Cream Hunt's just going to score a touchdown. I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes. These things just happen. We had LeGarrette Blunt score 18 touchdowns in a season once upon a time. Sometimes these things just happen, and I can't explain it. It's just luck of the draw, I guess. Um, I guess it could be, you know, rationalized by saying, you know, if they're on the goal line and Nick Chubb is in there, the defense knows what's coming. It's going to be likely a handoff up the middle. If Kareem Hunt's on the field, it could be a pass just as easily as it could be a run. So that's the way I'm going to rationalize that one. But through four games, Nick Chubb has significantly out-touched Kareem Hunt. You know, he's got 73 total opportunities, Nick Chubb does, compared to 58 for Kareem Hunt. So he's averaging almost four more opportunities a game than Kareem Hunt, which doesn't sound like a huge deal, but if that is going to be the trend, I mean, at the end of the season, you know, I think, I mean, at the end of the season, if that trend continues, I don't, you know, that's going to be 68 more touches for Nick Chubb. And I mean, he's, he's probably going to pay off 
the value where you selected him. Whether that's in your in your um, you know dynasty leagues, uh, redraft leagues, whatever. Other side of that game, I want to talk about. You know, Dalvin Cook does leave this game briefly. I mean, for quite a while, he comes back on like the, I think the last drive of the game with an ankle injury. But even before that, even before his departure, Alexander Madison was getting a, I mean, a, a fairly, I don't know if I want to say sizable workload. I think he only ended up with ten touches, but he was getting in there. He was, you know, I don't know if this was. Be, you know, if Dalvin Cook was on a pitch count and they, you know, they just want to ease him back in there, or if they know they're probably going to the playoffs and they want to save Dalvin Cook, you know, it seems like we're seeing that a little bit around the league with these NFL teams kind of getting their guys, their backup running backs, you know, their other running backs more involved. I'll talk a little bit about it, you know, a little bit more about it in a little bit. <clears throat> uh, moving on now, real quick, I want to talk about this. Something I've that's come, you know, it's developing in Chicago. Allen Robinson only gets three targets in this game, catches all three of them. Darnell Mooney gets seven targets in this game, catches five of them, gets a carry. We're a month into the season, guys. We are a full month into the season, basically a quarter of the way through. Darnell Mooney has 27 total opportunities, 26 targets, one carry. Allen Robinson has 24 targets. Okay, Darnell Mooney has more targets than Allen Robinson through one month of the season. I'm not here to predict what's going to happen going forward because there's no way anybody can know exactly what's going to happen going forward, obviously. But... Yeah, maybe this should come as a surprise, but honestly, we we've all seen the highlight videos of Darnell Mooney as a rookie, just torching some of the best cornerbacks in the league. I mean, making Jalen Ramsey just kind of look foolish a couple of times, just completely turning, getting him turned around. I mean, of course, he didn't have a quarterback to make a throw to him, so he couldn't capitalize on those. But this is a talented player. I'm not saying he's better than Allen Robinson, but if he's going to be right around Allen Robinson in opportunities, you know, in targets, I mean, he's got a bunch of speed. He's got some route, he's some route running ability. He could be a very interesting player, especially in dynasty. Um, you know, he's a young guy, second year player, got a rookie quarterback. This could be a very interesting, you know, combination. I think Allen Robinson's a free agent after the season. Darnell Mooney could be the number one guy as early as next year. Luckily for us, he's not put up monster numbers. We can go get Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney is, you know, maybe not right now after this game where he only, I mean, where he gets 125 receiving yards, but this dude doesn't have a touchdown on the year yet. Does not have a touchdown. Does that, you know, has no more than six receptions in a game, which will take six catches. Don't get me wrong. But he hasn't done anything just gaudy yet. He is acquirable in trade. I think, you know, I've acquired quite a few shares of him in Dynasty this past offseason. And I think I'm going to try to get him in the leagues where I don't have him. Just 
I mean, there's a ton of upside to be had. If, you know, if he continues this pace, shows some flashes, scores some touchdowns, gets, you know, in that top 30 range, and then goes into next year as the wide receiver one for that team, and Justin Fields, you know, shows some improvement as a starting quarterback, then at the very least you are going to have a value spike for Darnell Mooney, and you can flip him for dollars on the penny for what you paid for him. I don't know if dollars on the penny is, um, you know, the right, is even a real term, but, you know, people say pennies on the dollar. Well, this is the opposite of that. You can flip him for dollars on the penny if you want. Other side of that game, you know, kind of looks strange. Jamal Williams gets 14 carries to DeAndre Swift's eight. But he gets no targets. DeAndre Swift gets six targets, catches four of them. They end up dead even with 14 opportunities. You know, I mean, this is probably just what it's going to be. Um, you know, Swift still has more opportunities than Williams total for the season. It's not by as large a margin as Chubb over Hunt. But, I mean, these are just both going to be usable guys. Um you know, Swift has RB1 upside. Williams has RB2 upside every week. Um, you know, it's just something we're going to have to deal with as a manager of either one of these guys. Um, it's something we're going to have to embrace. And it's okay because they're both, you know, Jamal Williams didn't get any catches in this game, but, you know, 14 touches. A lot of them have been receptions because they don't have any wide receivers for the most part. They haven't up to this point, at least. We can live with that. But speaking of the wide receivers, Quintez Cephas, man, it's like he's it's like he wants to have like a tepid breakout, like a Corey Davis-esque breakout from last year or the year before. Right? I mean, he gets he only gets five targets here, but he catches four of them for 83 yards. He's got a couple touchdowns on the season. He does have one completely dud game, but that game was his only game below 12 PPR points so far. And 12 PPR points isn't, you know, league winning, but that is a massive return on value for, I mean, I added him off of waivers in a dynasty league for free, like not even off of waivers. It's just waivers cleared. I went to go see if Quintess Cephas was available after week one. And he was, so I grabbed it for free. No fab money spent. Um, and dude, I'll take 12 points if I need to put him in there. I'll take that, you know, 100 times out of 100 times. Speaking of which, Amon Raw St. Brown has life. He's got life. He gets eight targets, catches six of them for 70 yards. This was a player that, you know, I, I didn't know that I was going to be higher on him than consensus this past off season, but I just, you know, I did some mocks. I did some startups. I did some rookie drafts and I just kept ending up with this dude on my roster. And so I was just like, okay, I guess that means that I like Amon Ross St. Brown a little bit. So it's been pretty brutal to watch up to this point, but you know, he's a rookie in his fourth game career, fourth game of his career. He gets six catches on eight targets for 70 yards We'll take that. That is a silver lining so far on his career. And, I mean, it's wide open. It is wide open. If he improves a little bit, 
he could absolutely become the number one wide receiver on that team. Probably not going to be the wide the number one pass catching option, but could be the number one wide receiver on that team. I mean, it's up to anybody really on that roster. Um, switching over now to the Giants game, Kenny Galladay. You know, he lives as well. He steps up with six catches on seven targets for 116 yards. That's, you know, it's pretty great. You know, it's good that he stepped up with Shepard and um, Slayton out. But, dude, I want to talk about Kadarius Tony. He gets nine targets in this game, catches six of them for, oh, my goodness, I didn't write down uh, how many yards Tony had. Let me look this up real quick. Darius Tony, he gets 78 yards plus a carry for one more yard. So 79 total. And you know what? I really don't care about, I mean, I care about the yards, yes. But here's the thing. Nine targets, love it. Especially, you know, the Giants won this game. So that's, you know, that makes it seem even better. But dude, he gets six catches. And the reason he was a first-round pick showed up. He is so quick, dude. He may not be the most nuanced route runner. You know, he may not have the best hands. These things can be developed. These things can be worked on and practiced. But this dude's quickness and shiftiness and wiggle, I think you just have to be born with that, man. I don't think if you don't have it by the time you're in the NFL – if you don't have it like Kadarius Tony, you're not going to get it like Kadarius Tony. This dude has it. And, you know, I liked him a little bit from an analytic spot, just as far as, you know, like I said with Devontae Smith, the first round wide receiver. There's no reason to completely fade this guy into oblivion. We should have learned our lesson last year with Brandon Ayuk. I shouldn't say we. I, was, I loved Ayuk last year. And I'll get to him in a little bit. But. Nobody should have just been completely off of Kadarius Tony. You know, I went out on a limb and you know, I didn't love a lot of the wide receivers in this class. So I ranked him at the very end of the first round in rookie drafts and single quarterback leagues. He's a first round wide receiver with a ton of talent with the ball in his hands, a you know, shiftiness for days, quickness for days. There's upside there. There's a ton of upside with Kadarius Tony. Um, Daniel Jones has looked pretty improved as a passer. He threw his first interception of the season in this game. He's not been turning the ball over. This is what we want. We want an ascending quarterback. You know, I'm not here to, you know, it's four games into the season. The Giants have won one game. I'm not here to say that Daniel Jones has taken some significant leap forward, but you know, if he can establish himself and Kadarius Tony can be, you know, a, an anchor for that wide receiver group as a rookie, you know, moving forward, then this is, you know, just because I ranked him as a first round pick doesn't mean you had to take him there. I mean, this is just, I just thought he belonged there as a first round wide receiver, honestly, with, I mean, with obvious upside. It's not just the draft capital, it's the draft capital with the dynamism and obvious upside. I'm going to have to hurry it up here because we are already a half hour in and I am not even halfway through my list, I don't think. So let's move on now. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to crack my neck here, trying to pop my jaw because we need to talk about 
Jeremy McNichols. Specifically, we need to talk about the process of why Jeremy McNichols should already be on your team. I've said it time and time again, and I don't care. I don't care that it's not the popular opinion. I don't, yeah, I'll scream it from the mountain, mountaintops if I have to. You can come at me on Twitter if you want. I don't care that it's not the popular opinion. I understand that, you know, the consensus opinion in fantasy football Twitter, dynasty Twitter, whatever, is no, I'm not going to handcuff my own running backs because that limits your upside. You know what it also does? It also, you know, handcuffing your running backs, it raises your floor, dude. It guarantees you fantasy points. If you have Christian McCaffrey and you did not have Chuba Hubbard, you are hurting right now. If you had Dalvin Cook and you did not have Alexander Madison, you were hurting last week. Derrick Henry is touching the ball 77 times per game. Yes, he's a giant. No, he does not have any kind of injury history. It only takes one play. And Derrick Henry is getting a bunch of plays every single game. If you have Derrick Henry, you know, I, I added Jeremy McNichols last week in every dynasty league I'm in. He was just sitting out there in the waivers. The deepest of dynasty. 12-team, 30-player rosters, all offense. McNichols just sitting out there. I added him for zero fab dollars. Not a single fab dollar was spent. He's on all my teams now. He only gets one carry in this game. But the dude gets eight catches on 12 targets for 74 yards, 85 total yards. Led the team in receiving. There's obvious ability here. He is the clear backup. Yes, I know Darrington Evans is hurt. He could be coming back. McNichols is playing well. He scored a touchdown last week. Led the team in receiving this week. We don't know how long these wide receivers are going to be out. I'm not here to say McNichols is going to be a standalone, you know, flexible player with Henry healthy. But we have to learn our lesson. We can't, if you're in a, I don't care if you're in a 12-team redraft league. If you're in a 12-team redraft league and you have Derrick Henry on your roster, okay, you can drop Chester Rogers for McNichols. You can drop, um, you can drop Nelson Aguilar. You can drop Mark Ingram for Jeremy McNichols. You can drop these fringy players, Philip Lindsay. You can drop them. There's no upside there. These are not good players, mostly on not very good teams. Jeremy McNichols. I mean, I don't know that this dude's very good or not. He's been in the league a while and has not done much. But there's obvious dynamism there. He was a wide receiver for a while in college. He's a big dude. He's got all, you know, he's got all purpose size and all purpose skill set. And if Derrick Henry goes down, he's a starting running back in the league. He's a usable fantasy running back in the league week one if he goes down. There's no reason if you're in a league bigger than 10 teams that he should just be sitting on waivers. There's no reason for it. Okay, you're you're in a roster of Philip Lindsay because he scored a touchdown in week one because he might get, you know, because he doesn't have Derrick Henry on his team. When are you going to feel good about starting Philip Lindsay? Never. You're never going to feel good about putting him in your lineup unless two other running backs get hurt. And even then, he's in a terrible offense. So 
just these fringy players, drop them. Pick up Jeremy McNichols. Pick up the Alexander Madisons. Pick up the Chuba Hubbards. They should be rostered. (laughs) Moving on now to, I want to talk about Miami passing game just real quick. Um, Devontae Parker, he gets in the end zone here. You know, he gets four catches on nine targets. We love the nine targets. Jalen Waddle only gets four. He catches three of them. But in Jacoby Brissett's two starts, you know, these are usable numbers here. Devontae Parker only gets eight catches in two starts, but 16 targets, you know, we can deal with it. He was going super late. We can deal with eight targets. Jalen Waddle, 15 catches on 17 targets. We can we can handle that as well. That's, you know, I didn't quite expect this kind of usage from Waddle. They're, the way they're using him is surprising me. But he's a talented dude. You know, I, you know, this is what I was talking about earlier. You know, I had him ranked ahead of Devontae Smith. We're only four games in, no victory lapping. Um, you know, neither one of them been world beaters, but, you know, you love to see it. If you drafted Waddle, you know, especially like, even if you took my advice and you drafted Waddle as the wide receiver three in this rookie draft, I mean, I have, I think you have to be happy with it, honestly. Um, let's talk about the, San Francisco Seattle game real quick. Um Seattle the only really notable thing to me was Alex Collins stole a lot of work from Chris Carson in this game. And you know, I haven't heard anything about a Chris Carson injury. Honestly, I think it was just a case of I mean Alex Collins just seemed to have the hot hand. Chris Carson was just kind of plotting all day, just meandering around, not doing much with the ball. Alex Collins looked like he had some pop to him. And so, I mean, it was just, I think it was just a good coaching move by Pete Carroll. Just like, you know what? One of these guys is clearly playing better than the other. This is a close game. We need all the help we can get. I'm going to play the guy. I'm going to ride the hot hand. Um, We'll see. I mean, we'll see how it goes moving forward. This is going to be something I track next week. You know, if nothing happens, you know, if Chris Carson goes on and he's the bell cow again next week, I'll track it again in, in the week after. We'll see if anything pops up. If it kind of, this seems like an outlier, then, you know, we all feel good about Chris Carson again. Uh, let's talk about the 49ers for a second. There's quite a bit to unpack here. First thing I do want to talk about is, like I mentioned earlier, Trey Lance makes his debut. And, you know, the stats are fine. You know, he gets 41 rushing yards. We love it. He gets the long touchdown pass to Debo Samuel. You know, we love that for the numbers. This wasn't any kind of like, this wasn't even like an NFL level play. Like the a high school quarterback could have made this play. Debo was just standing wide open. Had, there was nobody even on that side of that. You know, he was down the sideline. I don't think there was anybody else even on his side of the hash mark. He just catches the ball standing still. And then he's got speed. He's a good runner. He runs the ball for a long touchdown. I want to talk about how this guy looked. And, you know, I've heard, you know, a, a film guy that I respect. I respect tremendously what he does. You know, he, he's very good at what he does. I was kind of surprised. I heard him say that Trey Lance did not even look close to being ready to being an NFL starter. And yes, it was it was ugly to watch, you know, some parts. It wasn't pretty. But to me, mostly, I mean, 
it just seemed like a timing thing. It's something, you know, it wasn't that he was just horribly inaccurate. It wasn't that he was like missing throws wildly and throwing, you know, throwing picks and turning the ball over. It was, you know, instead of anticipating, you know, the first one that stuck out to me was an up and in um, to Debo Samuel. You know, Debo, Debo runs straight up the field and then makes a cut. That ball should have been thrown, you know, probably right before Debo goes into his cut. And then Debo turns around, the ball's there. Boom. Because he was open. But Lance kind of waited until Debo was open. Because, you know, he was covered at the time, but, you know, when he should have thrown it. But Trey Lance, knowing where the the route is going, should have unleashed that ball, no, you know, anticipating that Debo was going to be open. He waited until he saw Debo open, and then he threw the ball, and by that time it was too late. You know, these are NFL players, right? This isn't, you know, Division II, North Dakota, South Dakota State type players anymore. And I'm not saying that Trey Lance can't be good because of that competition. I think Trey Lance is going to be good. I'm just saying this is something that can be coached. This is something that could be coached maybe into him as early as this coming up week. I know if he's the starter, I'm throwing him into my Scott Fishbowl lineup. It's a super flex lineup. I've been rocking one quarterback in that league. Trey Lance is going in. I need help. I got a bunch of injuries. Trey Lance is going in the lineup. And, I mean, just the rushing ability alone is going to be fine. He had, you know, in one half, he had 41 yards. That's a passing touchdown, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I mean, I mean, honestly, I didn't think it was bad. I did not think it was a bad debut. To me, it just seemed like some timing stuff. And he doesn't have to be pinpoint accurate. I mean, it, it, to me, he didn't look wildly inaccurate by any means, but he doesn't have to be pinpoint accurate to be a long-term, successful NFL quarterback and dynasty asset as well. Because he's he's got a ton of talent, ton of mobility. I think he's going to be just fine. And like I said, I'm starting him. Um, next week. Want to talk about these pass catcher pass catchers for a little bit? Uh, I do want to say Trey Sermon had a pretty good game. Gets 19 carries. You know how are you feeling right now? If you blew all your money on Elijah Mitchell, like I told you not to, probably not very good because Trey Sermon had 19 carries, 80 something yards, whatever it was. I mean, he looked fine out there. He looked like a serviceable running back. He was drafted in round three. He's got way more size than Elijah Mitchell. If he continues to look like that, Elijah Mitchell's best case scenario is satellite back roll, even though he had a 48th percentile college target share. I I hope you didn't blow your money on him. I really do. Um, I mean, I hope what you did is pick up Trey Sermon if somebody dropped him. Uh, anyways... Honestly, you know, I was willing to kind of rule out week one for Brandon Ayuk because it seemed like there was obviously something weird there. I was willing to rule out week two for Brandon Ayuk because, you know, it seemed like maybe this was something like in the process of getting out of the doghouse. Okay, but he's had a good game since then. He's had an 86% snap share percentage since then. He's had he had 67% this past game. 
In these last two games, he has five catches on nine targets. Five catches on nine targets for a guy that was being drafted, you know, as a mid-tier, you know, an you know, a top-tier, mid-tier wide receiver two in Dynasty startups makes absolutely no sense. I've been staunchly against it against it all offseason. And for good reason. Look, Debo Samuel had eight catches on 12 targets. He's got double-digit targets in every game so far this season except for one, and he had eight. We can If eight targets is Debo's floor, he's going to be a massive value. He's going to smash Brandon Ayuk. He was always the better play. And I've got the receipts, ladies and gentlemen. I've got the receipts saying Debo was always the better value than Brandon Ayuk. He's a talented player, dude. He's a talented player is going to be a talented player. He's one of the best in the league at yards after the catch. And this is another quote I heard. You know, this this guy and this is another guy I respect. Says Debo's always been a yards after the catch guy. And so far, the targets have been on his side, but I expect that to flip to Ayuk at some point. And, like, why? Why would it? Especially with this, you know, if you're going to be starting your rookie quarterback, you know, out of the three guys that can help your rookie quarterback between Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk, Ayuk looks like the least capable so far. Do not forget that Debo Samuel, as a rookie, competing for targets with George Kittle and Emmanuel Sanders, put up almost a you know a thousand all-purpose yards. Okay, Brandon Ayuk put up less yards in his rookie year with nobody else on the team, nobody else catching patches, no 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 Emmanuel Sanders, no Debo Samuel, no George Kittle. It was just Ayuk, and yes, he had a strong finish to the season, but he. He wasn't as good as Debo or as as Debo Samuel, and now Debo's back. George Kittle's back. I mean, the last two weeks, you know, this little buffer zone I've given for Ayuk to give him the benefit of the doubt. I guess this is to give Ayuk the benefit of the doubt. Ayuk's got nine targets, one carry. Kittle's got twenty targets, one carry. Debo's got twenty-two targets, thirteen catches, and three carries. Debo's got more catches than Ayuk has targets in the past two weeks. You know, there was no bigger sell in the offseason than Brandon Ayuk. And that's why I did a whole episode about it. And, you know, like I said, we're early in the season. I mean, kind of. We're about a quarter way through. We're a whole month into the season. Maybe it's going to even out at some point, but I don't know why. We're just assuming that it would. Like, Brandon Ayuk is some definitively better player than Debo. I think at this point it's safe to say Debo is probably better than Ayuk. He was better as a rookie with more competition. He's better than Ayuk on the same field together. There's no reason to just blindly assume Ayuk's going to get more targets in the future. Moving, <laughs> moving on. I want to talk about Kyle Pitts. This is another guy, you know, I was I was high on in rookie drafts. I had him as my, I think, fifth ranked rookie behind uh, maybe fourth. I don't know. Either way, in single quarterback leagues, he gets nine targets in this game, only catches four of them. It is what it is. He don't have a touchdown yet. He has 26 targets on the game, or on the season. He only has one game below six targets on the season. We can't work with that, ladies and gentlemen. He's seventh in the league in in targets for tight ends. You know, he's a rookie tight end. This is just what happens. This is why... 
you know, even though I like him for a dynasty asset, I loved him as a dynasty asset, I still do. I don't have a single, I don't have Kyle Pitts on a single team. No dynasty teams, no redraft teams, no best ball teams. He's, I just don't have a single share of him. It's because he's being way overdrafted. He's a rookie tight end. This happens. This is why I was so high on TJ Hawkinson this year. Because he's going into that quintessential third year. This, I mean, I just want to say this because this is honestly a buy opportunity. Kyle Pitts is a middling tight end two right now, but he's seventh in the league in targets. Hasn't scored a touchdown yet. This is the time to try to go get Kyle Pitts if you can. Other side of that game, Antonio Gibson, 14 carries, two catches on two targets. J.D. McKissick only gets seven carries, but he gets five catches on five targets. You know, this is it's a kind of a frustrating backfield for one because it's split, but two, it's like McKissick's not getting five targets every game. He's got two games with a bunch of targets and two without. And I just, it's just kind of been a lackluster backfield altogether. It's been fun that McKissick scored a couple touchdowns. It was fun that Antonio Gibson scored the long one last week. But, man, it's just not been, it doesn't feel good slotting either one of them into your starting lineup. Um, Curtis Samuel makes his season debut very quiet. um, Four catches on four targets for only 19 yards, but he only had a 37% snap share. Kind of just seemed like he was on a snap count, you know, coming back from this injury. All right, we are on the downhill slope. You know, it only took us 45 minutes to get there. Real quick, Sunday night game. Damian Harris gets, you know, with we wanted to see, everybody was looking to this backfield in New England with the James White injury. Damian Harris only gets four carries, only gets two catches on two targets. J.J. Taylor, everyone thought, you know, everyone thought J.J. Taylor was going to be the one-for-one replacement for James White just because he's also a small running back, I guess. He gets one carry, one catch on one target, fumbles the ball. Brandon Bolden only got one carry, but he got six catches on six targets. I mean, Brandon Bolden was the guy last week. Brandon Bolden was the guy this week. I think we have to assume that if there's going to be a replacement for James White, if they're just going to throw somebody into that role, it's not J.J. Taylor just because he's small too. It's going to be Brandon Bolden. Um, the Rams-Cardinals game. Just real quick. I mean, Van Jefferson, this is his second game in a row with six targets. And he had, you know, the long touchdown in week one. This is, you know, a former, he was a round two wide receiver last year. Round two wide receivers tend to be fairly successful as well. This is a high-powered offense, and Robert Woods isn't doing anything right now. That wide receiver two spot is wide open. Van Jefferson could easily take it sooner rather than later. Other side of that game, the Cardinals. Dude, I'm I'm so irritated with this passing game, dude. DeAndre Hopkins gets seven targets. Max Williams gets five targets. Chase Edmonds gets five targets. Moore and Kirk are basically just out of the game. Dude, A.J. Green gets six targets in this game. He's got six targets in every single game. Not at least six targets, no. Six targets on the dot in every single game for A.J. Green. He catches a long touchdown in this one. Um, and maybe I was just, you know, 
last year I was kind of skeptical, you know, I was skeptical of DeAndre Hopkins because I was like, you know, I don't think he's going to have the target share this year that he's enjoyed in Houston. Maybe I was just, you know, that proved me wrong, but maybe I was just a year early because Hopkins doesn't have, I mean, he's not dominating the targets by any means in this passing game. Everybody's involved. I mean, Chase Edmonds is right up there with him, and he's a running back for crying out loud. AJ Green's right up there with him, and we all thought he was dust. We all thought we all have thought he's been dust for multiple seasons now. Um, it's just so frustrating. It's great if you have Kyler Murray on your roster. It's fine if you have Chase Edmonds. It is frustrating if you spend a lot to get Hopkins on your team. And if he is on your team, you did spend a lot. Um, real quick, you know, I kind of feel like I don't need to report on Chase Edmonds and James Conner anymore. We know what their roles are. It's pretty crystal clear. James Conner is going to get carries. Edmonds is going to get some carries. He's going to get a bunch of targets, a bunch of receptions. Connor's probably going to get the goal line scores. We're going to have to hope that, you know, here's the thing. If we're in a full PPR league and Edmonds is getting five targets a game, I mean, that's, you know, that's going to equal about a rushing touchdown anyway. So we can't really be too mad at it, especially, you know, we got him late enough, throw him in our flex and feel good about that production. Last game of the week, Monday Night Football. The Raiders and the Chargers, you know, nothing much to talk about on the Chargers except, I mean, Mike Williams gets shut down here. Kind of strange. Nothing to worry about. These games happen. It happens to the best wide receivers in the league. Sometimes they just disappear. What's it, just extremely irritating, though, is what is L.A. doing with their running back situation? Look, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that Austin Eckler is one of the best backs in the league. He's a good, solid runner, one of the best pass-catching backs in the league, one of the most efficient backs in the league. He like They have one of the best running backs in the league on their roster. They give him 15 carries, <clears throat> five targets, catches three of them, scores a couple touchdowns. They're giving Larry Roundtree 11 carries in this game. They're giving Justin Jackson three carries and four targets in this game. They've got... Austin Eckler just completely off the field for long stretches in this game, and I just cannot understand it. I understand wanting to save your guys. They are probably going to the playoffs this year. They're in first place in the division. I understand wanting to save these guys for the playoffs, but to just go long, long stretches with without having Eckler and just feeding Larry Roundtree so he can carry the ball 11 times for 31 yards or whatever it was, why are you banging? Like, just don't. Just don't hand the ball off to Larry Roundtree. There's no reason for that. He had one good run. He had one good run of, like I think, nine yards. I mean, even without that, his day looks even worse. I know you can't really take plays away. I try not to make a habit of that, but goodness gracious, why? Why would you not just have Austin Eckler carry a bulk of that work? Don't give these guys... You know, almost as many carries and almost as many targets as Austin Eckler does not make any sense. Other side of that game, you know, the Raiders, okay. You know, Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro does his thing again. You know, he's, this dude's just a good, solid ball player. You know I mean? You know, he's got some, uh, I mean, he's got some route running ability. He's got some shiftiness. 
You know, he gets eight targets here, catches six of them for 45 yards and a touchdown. He's got a touchdown in two straight games. Um, he made a great special teams play to break up uh, uh, what might have been a first down on a fake punt pass. Dude's a good player. I mean, he's got no less than six targets in any game, no less than five receptions in any game so far this season. He's a usable player, I think, in full PPR. You know, if you're in a deep full PPR league and you're in his pinch, I mean, I had to play him in Scott Fishbowl this week. Um, and, it's you know, it worked out. It's fine. I didn't love it, but, I mean, you just kind of take what you get. Darren Waller scores a touchdown. Was quiet for a lot of the night until then. But we got to talk about these other wide receivers. You know, Henry Ruggs ends up like, okay. You know, he caught that long pass. Three catches on six targets. Should have had four catches on six targets. One of them being a long 50-plus yard touchdown. Dude, he had this guy absolutely torched downfield. Derek Carr just threw it too far. Overthrew him. Um, didn't even give Ruggs a chance. Really stings for Ruggs, people. You know, that could have won me a lot of money in, you know, DFS, but <laughs> um, it is what it is. You know, he took a few deep shots to Ruggs, and, you know, that's fine. You know, this is what we want. You know, Ruggs is a first-round guy, too, first-round wide receiver. We want these deep shots going to Ruggs. We want Ruggs establishing himself as a guy who deserves multiple of those per game. Because you know who it's not? It's not Brian Edwards. I can tell you that. We have to stop with Brian Edwards. We're done with Brian Edwards. I'm done with Brian Edwards. And this should be a player I like, right? I mean, he's third round draft capital. Not a death nail. Not great, but fine. But dynamism for days. Dynamism for days. Size. He's. I mean, he's got the size to be an alpha. Got yards after the catch ability. I mean, I I think he was a special teams guy. A lot of times that tra- in college, you know, and a lot of times that translates to yards after the catch ability. But I'm done with this guy. I'm. There's no reason to be a truther for this guy anymore. How many games do we have to see Brian Edwards just get completely blanked? Not even on the field when they're near the end zone. They're they're near the end zone. It's Rugs. It's Renfro. It's Waller. Sometimes even Willie Sneed in there. Brian Edwards, a couple times, nowhere to be found. This dude doesn't make his first catch until under five minutes left in the game. I'm done with him. Everybody should be done with Brian Edwards. There's no floor there. Any perceived ceiling is just that. It's completely non-existent. Stop fooling yourself. Stop fooling yourself with Brian Edwards. It's not going to happen. We can move on to Waller, Ruggs if we need an upside play, Renfro if we're in full PPR, you know, a deep league. We can forget about Brian Edwards. No more Captain Showdowns with Brian Edwards in the lineup. (laughs) Nothing like that on DraftKings. I'm done with him. As far as I'm concerned, Brian Edwards does not exist in fantasy football anymore. That is going to do it for this week's episode. This has been the Dynasty Underground. I have been your host, Derek Walmack, and as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.